While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and he, they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. And great clouds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Well, good morning, Covenant family. How are we doing today? Good, good, good. What is, uh, yeah, it is so fun to be here with you all this morning. As Jacob said, uh, my name is Heath, and we are, uh, my family and I were planting a church in the Kissimmee area. And um, yeah, this morning I just wanted to kind of, you know, as, as we look at this text, this calling narrative about Jesus calling followers uh, to, to disciples to follow him, just wanted to share a little bit about the update of the work that's happening that we're doing in, in, uh, in Kissimmee. And so, yeah, we've been meeting as a core group Bible study since January. And so we meet on Sunday afternoons for a few hours, and that's been really fun. And it's, as Jacob said, that, that we, do, we use both English and Spanish in our gatherings. And so, for instance, we read the text every single week in English and then also in Spanish. And then we will uh, be moving to a place where we're regularly singing a song in English and also in Spanish. And so it's really our heart's desire that we would serve the people of Kissimmee well by, by kind of embodying these two different languages in our community. And, and so it's been, yeah, really fun. We have about uh, 20 adults that have been kind of gathering with us regularly. And just one quick highlight, uh, in July, we had our first ever men's overnight and women's overnight. And it just was a a sweet time for just a church of our size to be just having shared experiences among the, we- among the men and as among the women of just being able to get away uh, just together without the kids and, and just being able to just, the men, we went fishing and I tried to fish or did some, something like that. And then the women were able to get away without the kids as well. And so it just was a, a really special time for just deepening relationships, fellowship, and hanging out and just having fun together. And so, um, yeah, so thank you for all of yeah, your prayers and, and, um, and just this work that we're doing. It didn't begin uh, just yesterday, you know? And so this was back in 2020 when my wife and I were just considering where, where is the Lord having us, uh, where does he want us to plant a church? And I remember doing research about Central Florida and I, I came across... Uh, on the Orlando Sentinel, a, a, um, a, an article that had made kind of national news and national headlines. And it was an article about a uh, motel called the Star Motel along the I-92, 192 corridor in Kissimmee. And I remember like looking at these pictures and reading the story, and it was just this story about families that didn't have any other place to go, and so they were living in the motel. And 
you know, in throughout the school year between the hours of 6.30 and 7.30, there's school buses that will drive along 192 and they'll, they'll stop. The Star Motel no longer exists, but they'll stop at these other motels and there will just be lines of students lining up outside these motels, getting picked up for school because that's where they live. And I remember just seeing the photos of just the abandoned pools and just the families that were doing the best they could to survive, to make ends meet. And I just remember thinking to myself, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Like, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Families, the Imago Dei, living in just inhumane living conditions. And that was just one part, this one kind of puzzle piece that the Lord had used to really draw and to bring my wife and I to Central Florida, to Osceola County. It was just this this question that I had been thinking through with what would it look like for the church and for more churches to be present in the midst of brokenness that exists in Kissimmee? What would it look like for the church to actually, to not move away from the brokenness, but instead to move toward it? And so these were questions that were just kind of circulating in in our conversations and just they shaped my prayers. Uh, and, And, you know, over this last year, I've met with, so we're starting this church from scratch. And so what that means is that I meet with anyone that's willing to meet with me. So I've met with probably a few hundred people now in the Osceola County, Kissimmee area. And I'm the outsider. So I'm coming into this and I'm asking questions. I'm, I'm wanting to learn about what, are, what, are the, what, what can I celebrate along with you about the city of Kissimmee? What is there to celebrate? And I would ask them these, these questions and I would hear their thoughts and I would hear their hopes and dreams. And then I would kind of ask them, well, well what, do you, what do you wish wasn't true about your city? And then I would hear these stories of just the brokenness that exists in just all these different ways, whether it's just kind of the food insecurity or just the growing pains of, of just the infrastructure and roads not being big enough or the 5,000 homeless students that are in the Osceola County School District. And as I sat there and as I listened, it was again, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And so as, I, as, we just, as I've been in these meetings, I've heard just story and story about both just the beauty that exists in Kissimmee, but also the brokenness. And just meeting with just college students and young professionals and, and county and city commissioners. And I mean, we would do that. And, and this was just, this was fun, life-giving work for me because we would do it over a cafe con leche or pollo uh, quisado or getting quesitos. And we just would, we would eat and they would just would tell me these stories about what it's like to, to live and to work in the city. And it just was these constant stories of both the beauty and the brokenness that exists. Uh, my seminary professor he, uh, I remember just kind of just being uh, really just rocked and just really just the way that I thought about the kingdom of God was just really challenged when I remember reading uh, his, his book, um, As Far As The Curse Is Found. And, and in that, there's this quote that is just going to haunt me, I think, in the best way possible. But he, he says this about the kingdom of God. He says, whenever human beings feel that things are not as they're supposed to be, that something is not quite right in their life or society, the kingdom of God is what they're hoping for. Let me read that again. Whenever human beings feel that things are not as they're supposed to be, that something in their society or life is, is not quite right, 
the kingdom of God is what they're hoping for. And now, you ask, you, you, uh, just like having these conversations, a person might not describe, like, I am looking for the kingdom of God. But when, when people are describing things that are, that are broken and things that they wish weren't true about their, their life and their own heart and, and their communities, it is this kingdom of, of flourishing. It is this kingdom of wholeness that people are looking for, the kingdom of God. And so bringing us to our text this morning, in Matthew chapter 4, Jesus, he has just been tempted and he's beginning to build his ministry team. He's calling his followers to follow him, to be his ministry companions as they engage the brokenness of the world. And as I like to think of just kind of this, this text here, why it's so uh, just kind of personal to me is that I, I think that what Jesus is doing here, he's, he's showing us the culture of his ministry. He's showing us the culture of, of how the kingdom of God is built, how the kingdom of God is ushered in. And so this morning we have two simple uh, points. We're going to look at um, and how the kingdom of God comes to us in word and in deed in word and in deed. And so uh, let's begin just by talking about the ministry of the word and what we see the text telling us about the word of God. And so the first thing that we see that, that, that the text tells us is it tells us that the word of God is powerful. It is powerful. And so Jesus is, is, goes by the Lake of Galilee and he calls these two sets of brothers to follow him. He calls uh, Simon, who is called Peter, and then Andrew is the first set. And then after that, he calls James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And he walks by them and he calls them with the power of his word. And immediately, that word is used twice in these five verses, immediately they left and followed him. And what I love about this calling narrative of Jesus kind of showing us behind the scenes of how he's building his ministry team, what I love about this narrative is that this narrative uh, is, it's, it, the, the, the power that is displayed here is in the word. And this narrative is about just the, the power that, that Jesus uses to make disciples. It is not dependent upon the human potential of these men. Jesus didn't call these two sets of brothers to follow him because they are good men, because they love their abuelas, because they pay their bills, because they don't curse. No, Jesus called them to follow him, to display the power of his word. It is the power of Jesus's word here, not the potential of these men. And so we see Jesus calling these men to follow him. For instance, there's, there's certain words that I can use as a father in my household that are actually going to uh, incite some excitement in my children, or even just kind of cause them to, to go from one location in the house to the other. For instance, when I tell them, hey, let's have, let's have ice cream, right? I mean, you just hear the excitement. They run from one corner of the house, the playroom, to the kitchen to get ice cream because they know ice cream is found in the kitchen. Or if like I say, hey, showtime, man, they go crazy, right? They love shows. Or if I say, hey, kids, now it's time to clean up. Oh. 
right? They disappear, exactly, you know? And so it's just these, these certain words that, that you get this response, this change of attitude, this change of even physical location. And that's what's going on here with Jesus using his word to, to, to call men to follow him. Uh, one of my favorite um, commentaries on the book of Matthew is by uh, a theologian named Frederick Bruner. And he says this, he says, the effectiveness of Jesus's word depends on getting this word out and letting it do its work. The effectiveness of Jesus's word depends on getting this word out and letting it do its work. And so as we talk about just the importance of the ministry of, of the word, this is, this is to be the church's foundation, that it's the foundation of the word on the word of God, not the word of man. This, the word of God, it is inerrant. It is authoritative. It is all sufficient. It is God breathed. There is power in this word. And Jesus shows us that here in this text. But Jesus also shows us that not only is there power in his word, is that there's purpose too. Jesus, call, he uses his word to, to, to call these men to follow him because there's this greater purpose that Jesus is inviting them into and that he invites us into as well. And in verse 19, look with me as he says, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men Jesus is talking about here, he's speaking to the future. He's saying, follow me and I will make you. He's speaking to the future. He's, he's talking about this process that must take place, this process that isn't an overnight instant process, but one that takes time. In fact, uh, Jewish rabbis in the first century, when they said, follow me, because Jesus wasn't the only Jewish rabbi in the first century, but when Jewish rabbis said, follow me, it meant become my students, be apprenticed with me, join my school, live life with me. It wasn't merely just this lecture, this information download or transfer, but it was life on life. It was this process of Jesus inviting men into this and saying, I will make you. See, God's word, it equips us. It instructs us. It teaches us. It teaches us how to be apprentices or students to Jesus. It's this, it's this process. Now, I know uh, many of you are avid fishermen and, and women, and you will know that to be an excellent, to be excellent at this sport, at this craft, that it didn't happen overnight, did it? To be excellent at anything, but especially fishing, I feel pastorally obligated to tell you about one of my failures as a fisherman here in this sermon, but to be this uh, f expert fisherman, just, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And some of the best fishermen know lots of things that I still don't. They know about the, the best time of the day to fish, what strength of line to use. I didn't even know that was a thing, right? What lure, what bait to use, uh, where, uh, if, you know, if you're fishing in salt water or fresh water, it's just, it's just different, right? And so, um, and so recently, I, when I 
went camping with some guys in my church. I hadn't fished in over a decade. And man, I was just like slinging that thing everywhere. I'm so glad that there was no one within like 20 feet of me because I probably would have hooked them. But like, you know, and at one point, right, inevitably I got the line too tangled that I couldn't figure out how to untangle it. And I had someone, one of my friends who I would consider a very good fisherman came over, he like did some stuff and then he like turned the rod over. I mean, boom, he like set me free in like 20 seconds. It was amazing. But it, just the point of all of this, I just realized is just that that is just this, this process. And some of us have been following Jesus for a short time. Some of us have been following Jesus for a little bit longer, but yet we all might get stuck and tangled and we just, we need one another to help us. It's this process of learning together what it looks like to follow Jesus, to be fishers of men. Jesus says, I will make you. It's this process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. It takes failure. It takes learning from your failure. It takes just dependence on Jesus in all areas of our life. And so the power of Jesus's word calls us to follow him. The purpose also shows us to what, to what goal, what is our aim in life? And so, friends, there's brokenness that we encounter every single day in our own hearts, in our families, in our communities, in our workplaces, things that just make us say, man, things are not, not the way they're supposed to be. Have you ever thought like that? Or have you ever had an interaction? Or have you ever said something that you deeply regret and just been like, man, it's not the way it's supposed to be? Has that ever happened to you? Can you recall an instance? And the reality is, is that, you know, in the already and the not yet is, you know, just that the Jesus has ushered in his kingdom and he's brought healing power. And yet the, the problem of sin still exists in our lives and in, in, in this world. And it's not ultimately taken care of yet. That's, that's to come in the final stages when Jesus comes back to make all things new. And so as we're just kind of in this in-between point, you know, what are, we, what are we to do as we become more aware of our sin in our lives and in our societies? We have more interactions when we're like, man, that is not the way it's supposed to be. What are we, what are we supposed to do? Where, where do we turn? To whom do we turn to? And I just want to encourage all of us here this morning that myself included, that, that, we, that we return. When we feel overwhelmed by the problem of sin in our lives and in this world, we return to the word. We return to the scriptures. We return to the person of Jesus and the scriptures. We show up on Sunday morning for corporate worship where we hear in our call to worship that God through his word invites us. He summons us to worship him. We, we read a corporate confession together from his word that just the scriptures work as a mirror to reflect what is truly there. They reveal just the crookedness of our heart. But then right after that, friends, we hear the assurance of pardon through his word that Jesus offers forgiveness, that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, that we, that we sing songs that are bathed in truth and that are scripture-based, that we 
uh, would pray prayers that are, that are shaped by the scriptures, that we would listen to the preaching of God's word and that we would be sent with a word, a benediction, that we would be uh, empowered to leave this place strengthened by the word of God. We return to the word, friends, when we feel so overwhelmed with the sin that's in our lives and in our world Corporate worship, we, just, we have just this, this means of grace just, just coming at us. The word of God just washing over us, cleansing us. But that also means that we, we fight personally throughout the week when we're not in corporate worship, that we fight to spend time in the word personally. It might just mean looking creative. What does it look like for you right now to carve out margin, to listen to the Bible on audio, to listen to just just a few short verses that you read in the morning that you're just meditating on throughout the rest of the day? Friends, you and I, we need to be nourished by the word of God. We need it to strengthen us and comfort us and to challenge us, to convict us. So what does it look like for us personally to, to spend time in the word. I love this quote uh, by Tim Keller. He says, that, uh, the, he says this, he says that the means of grace, meaning prayer and the word and the sacraments, the means of grace are God's way of helping us live in a world that isn't easy to live in. That the means of grace are God's way of helping us live in a world that isn't easy to live in. And so come as you are to God's word. Come to God's word in your belief that your faith might be strengthened. Come to God's word in your unbelief that you might have belief. Come to God's word in your tiredness, in your fatigue so that you can persevere. Come to God's word in your joy so that you can celebrate with your heavenly father. Come to God with your questions so that you can have honest dialogue with God. God, so that you can seek to have more clarity to your questions. Come to God's word full of your need because Jesus wants to nourish your soul. He wants to feed you. He wants to strengthen you. So come to God's word and let it do its work. Let it do its work. There's power and purpose in the word of God. The kingdom of God comes to us in word, in word that is powerful, in word that is purposeful. And so now the second point, the ministry of deeds, the ministry of deeds. We see this in, in the second part of, of the passage that we read beginning in verse 23 through 25. Let me read it again for us. And he, Jesus, went throughout all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogue and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And so his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and the paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, from Jerusalem and Judea and beyond the Jordan. You see, with this this passage together, the first and the second part, they're, they're showing us that Jesus's concern isn't only with the mind and the heart. It's not only with the mind and the heart, but it's with the physical as well. It's with this physical 
world. This is uh, Bruner again. He says this. He says, uh, again, here in these verses, we see Jesus, the physician at work on the whole range of human condition. He heals those with organic, psychic, and nervous diseases. He heals anyone in torment. Jesus, yes, indeed, is savior of the cosmos, but yes, he is also savior of the human body. Jesus His concern isn't only with our mind and our hearts that they might be transformed to love God and to love our neighbor, but it's also with the physical needs, this physical earth stuff, this world that we live in. And throughout just these uh, appointments that I've had, uh, these networking appointments, excuse me, that I've had, you know, over this last year, I've just like seen just so many different nonprofits and institutions in Osceola County just doing really great work, caring for people, not only just the mind and the heart, but caring for people's physical needs as well. I remember having a conversation with uh, the CEO of something called Hope Center, which is this this nonprofit that exists so that everybody has a safe place to call home. And she just was filling me in on just the grant money that they were awarded from the county and the state to, to help curb homelessness and to help curb that issue that exists in our county. Or I've met with uh, my friend uh, Pilar, who is uh, a Venezuelan who has lived in the United States now for uh, five, five to seven years, I, I, I think. And uh, she started this organization to help, to help come alongside uh, migrants, folks that have been forced or have chosen to leave their home and to come and they've settled in Osceola County. And she found an organization called the Migrant Journey, which is just this nonprofit that exists to build just kind of these social circles around people to help get their, to help get them settled, to help to walk with them through just such a huge, huge uh, life transition. And I've uh, met with the mayor of, of, of Kissimmee, Olga, Olga Gonzalez, and she started a food pantry uh, during 2020 just to help fight the food insecurity that exists. And on a, most, a more recent meeting that I had with her, she was explaining to me about just how all of the inflation has, has really just kind of put their pantry in a little bit of a a challenge in terms of acquiring and buying food is that their dollar is just stretched thin and it just doesn't buy what it used to. And so uh, there's just lots of good just organizations that are happening that are just, that are just showing us just this glimpse of the kingdom of God. Really good things that are happening that we can affirm of just people's physical needs being met. People's a place for them to call home is, is being just provided for. One of my uh, also favorite books that I, that I read during seminary is a, is a book uh, called Evangelism, Doing Justice and Preaching Grace. Uh, it's by a um, kind of church historian named Harvey Kahn. And he argues in this short little booklet that the gospel is, the, is good news for sinners, yes, but he also says that the gospel is good news for the sinned against. The gospel is good news both for the sinner and the sinned against. That is that the good news is that, yes, God saves sinners. Amen. 
Absolutely. But God's concern is also for the person who is marginalized and oppressed. God's concern is also for the poor, for the outcast. I mean, time and time again, you see the way Jesus went about uh, spending time with people is that he was like, he gravitated towards the outcast, towards the sinner, towards the poor and the oppressed, towards the marginalized is that all of this matters greatly to God, that the gospel, yes, is for the sinner, but it is also for the sin, the sinned against. It's this gospel of the kingdom, both this word and deed ministry. It's this marriage that, that, that you, can't, you can't divorce here. You see it all throughout the scriptures and all throughout how Jesus went about doing his ministry, that where there was greed, there might be generosity, that where there was poverty, there might be abundance, that where there was abuse, there might be safety, that where there was disconnection, there might be deep connection and relationship, that where racism exists, there might be racial unity, that where there's injustice, justice might reign, and that where there's death, there might be resurrection. This is the kingdom of God that, that, that Jesus ushers in, both this marriage of word and deed, that we might believe the message of the gospel, and this, this message might, might, might push us out so that our ethics, our, our, our thoughts, our actions our, our behaviors might be changed, that the gospel might take, might take root in our lives that deeply to change us. And so as this uh, text talks about being fishers of men, uh, our concern is obviously for the salvation of, of souls. I, I wanna make sure you hear that. Our concern, when Jesus talks about being fishers of men, there's this concern for the salvation of souls, but, but, but this text also shows us that, it, that a deed must follow, that the ethics follow that concern, that, that the way that we love our neighbor, the way that we serve, the way that we give, that all of that might be shaped by the gospel. And so what this means for us here this morning, and, and, and even in some of these conversations I've had with with folks over this last year, I've, I've heard and listened to a lot of different misconceptions that people have had about the church. And these are honest, fair questions that they've had. They've, they've thought, you know, well, what, what purpose, for what purpose does Christianity exist? Because isn't it from what I was taught when I was younger, isn't it just this, this ticket to heaven? Isn't it just this like kind of get out of hell card that we can, that we can play? Like, just these conversations that I've had with people and, and just these misconceptions and questions that have probably uh, been reinforced by the church. And so as we think about this text, this marriage of word and deed, it is so important that we hold those two things together because we have people, non-Christian neighbors that have questions about the faith that we ascribe to, about Christianity, that are just thinking Christianity has no relevance today. What difference does it make today? And yet when we hold these two things together, we get to show them that God's concern is for the here and now. It includes that. God is concerned for the physical world that we live in. He's concerned for people that don't have a safe place to call home or people that are struggling with food insecurity. 
And so as we think about how do we apply this to our lives, I want to say, I want to say two things here. As we think about being fishers of men and, and following Jesus as, and being his disciples, here's what, what I would say. So first thing is uh, do something, but you can't do everything. Do something, but you can't do everything. Here's what I mean by this. Do something. So how has the compassion of Christ shaped you? When you look out, or maybe, you know, when you look inward at your own heart, and when you look out your family and your community, what is it that you see, that you, that you point your finger at, that you're like, this is not how it's supposed to be? What is it? What are those things? Part of this is just training our eye to see those things, to, to listen to what people are saying, to have the discernment to know, man, like, I just wish this wasn't like that. What breaks your heart? What is it that you wish were not true? These are things that God's people in the church that we need to pay attention to. We need to pay attention to these things that are happening here in, in our world, in our city, in, on our street. What is it? that God is asking you to open your eyes into and to not move away from, but instead to move toward. So do something. And the, the beautiful thing about doing something is that you can start small. I would encourage you all to start small. Small is beautiful. Small is wonderful. Small is great. So begin with the people around you. What is going on in their life? What are you hearing from them when they describe, man, this is not the way it's supposed to be. What is it that they're talking about? Begin with the people around you. Start small. So start small, begin with the people around you, but also know that the Holy Spirit does what the Holy Spirit wants to do. And so as, as, as you grow in your heart for the kingdom of God, this might even mean this might even take you to another zip code. It might take you to another continent. We just don't know how the spirit of God is gonna be working in your heart once he continues to, to, to push you into doing something about just the injustice that exists or just the food insecurity. We just don't know how God is gonna work. So do something, start small, start with the people around you. But also know you can't do everything that you nor I have the time, the resources, the energy to do it all. Like God nowhere in scripture calls us to be all knowing or all powerful or just almighty. Nowhere does God call us to, to be those things. God is creator. We are creation. All of that is reserved for God. And so what that means is that we get to live in these limitations that we have of being being image bearers, of being humanity. We can't do everything. And so that's the beautiful thing about being part of, connected to a local church is that different people have different passions and they have different capacities and they have different time in their schedules so that collectively we can, we can, we can collectively be the body of Christ out in the world together. And so you might feel frustrated from time to time about just, I'm so overwhelmed. There's so much brokenness. I, I don't know what to do or where to begin. And I just want to remind you, start small, do something, but recognize that you can't do everything. And God is not calling you to do everything. 
And so think through that. May that shape the way that you pray and that you kind of plan for what it looks like for for you to be engaged in a ministry of both the word and the deed. Well, friends, it's both the beauty and the brokenness that I've encountered, that I've heard, that I've seen with my eyes, that that the Lord has used to really grow my heart for Kissimmee, to see that the, the kingdom of God would be made more and more visible in Osceola County, in Kissimmee, in my family, in my heart. And you know, we're, we're starting this church because we believe that wherever people feel that things are off or things are not quite right, that the kingdom of God is what they're looking for. The kingdom of God is what they're looking for when they feel that things are, they're just not the way they're supposed to be. And so our prayer shapes our feet, right? When we pray, our feet move and we're asking Jesus to heal the brokenness in the city, in the county, and to turn it into something beautiful. And friends, the only way that that is possible, it's because Jesus was broken for you and me is because Jesus's body was broken on the cross and his blood was shared for you and me. Jesus, he moved towards the brokenness. He moved towards the hurting. He moved towards the sinful and he offered up himself so that you and I might have forgiveness of our sins. And over those sins that that cause us deep pain and regret and over those sins that we might even feel too ashamed to confess or to talk to, Jesus died for those. And Jesus, he rose from the dead to prove that where death exists, you know, death doesn't have the last word, that where there is death, there might be life. And by the resurrection power, we have hope and expectation that as we grow in what it means to be fishers of men and following Jesus and in this process, this lifelong discipleship commitment to Christ, that the resurrection power, it gives us hope. It gives us this expectation that, that, that Jesus has not stopped the working in us, that he will bring it to completion, the work that he has started, Philippians 1, 6 says. And so friends, our hope and our prayer is that we move forward is that Jesus can take and he can transform the brokenness that exists in our life and turn it into something beautiful. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for just the power of your word. God, we thank you Lord, that it is living and active, that it is sharper than a double-edged sword. Father, we thank you that, Lord, your Holy Spirit, the, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that same power resides in us via the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, this morning, as we have considered your word, as we think through and pray through what it looks like for us to, to minister both in word and in deed. We ask that you would encourage us. We ask that you would equip us. We ask that you would just show us, that you would give us the eyes to see and the ears to hear, just that your compassion would shine forth out of us, that we would look and that we would see things that, man, it's not the way it's supposed to be the sin in our own life, may it just bring us to a place of just confessing quickly and boldly and receiving the assurance that we have in the gospel. Might it just cause us heartache and pain when we see other families that are, that are struggling, just this breakdown of, of, the, of the family system, when we just see just things that are happening out in society that just that break our hearts. Might we pay attention to those things? 
Might you give us just your, your wisdom and discernment with how we move towards these things, not away from these things. And so, Father, we just, we ask that you would, uh, that you would be with us, that you would go before us. And Father, we are grateful that you invite us into the work that you're already doing, that we get to be fishers of men, that we get to be apprenticed by you, that we get to be trained by you, that we get to be your students. So Father, we're thankful for that privilege. And we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.